a financial plan requires planning. It's savings, RRSPs, investments, and planning for the unexpected. TD Term Life Insurance can help protect your family's financial future if you were to unexpectedly pass away. You can apply for TD Term Life Insurance online or over the phone by speaking to a licensed advisor. If you're under the age of 55, you could be approved for up to $500,000 of coverage without a medical exam. Conditions apply. TD Term Life Insurance is underwritten by TD Life Insurance Company. Visit tdinsurance.com slash termlife to learn more. The COVID-19 outbreak that has hit the Vancouver Canucks has shown the virulence of variant strains, but also how vulnerable league play can be in the face of a pandemic. And with the playoffs looming, many are wondering how the league is going to mitigate the danger. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Post Media's national hockey writer Michael Trakos joins me to discuss the impact of the Canucks outbreak, what it means for the rest of the season, and how the NHL could be preparing for the playoffs. Don't forget, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Michael, as of late Tuesday afternoon, 18 Vancouver Canucks players on that team's active roster were on the NHL COVID protocol list. And while nearly every team has had players on the protocol list at some point this season, this outbreak with the Canucks is by far the largest. What does this do to a team that's trying to remain competitive in what's already proven to be a tough division? Yeah, Dave, I don't think this really affects the Vancouver Canucks ability to make the playoffs this year or not. Honestly, even had this not come down, I didn't really see Vancouver leaping past Montreal for that fourth playoff spot in the North. Mm -hmm. I really think those top four teams are in a class amongst themselves with weeks to go until the end of the season. And really it was Calgary, Vancouver and uh, Ottawa just deciding who was going to finish in the bottom three. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what this does, I think for uh, not just Vancouver, but uh, for the North division and possibly the rest of the league is, you know, serve notice as to how fragile holding a season in the middle of a pandemic uh, can be. And, you know, more than the pandemic uh, holding a season, in what's become a third wave where you've got uh, a number of variants working their way through North America, the challenges that bring. This isn't the classic COVID strain as one infectious disease doctor explained it to me. The, the P1 variant uh, from Brazil um, is you know, more transmissible. It's more aggressive. And as we see right now, uh, one case can turn into two cases, can turn into 18 cases in a matter of days. So that's got to scare the rest of the league, especially at a time where we're at the tail end of a season where trying to fit games into the schedule is becoming increasingly difficult. Yeah, I mean, like when you look at the fact that they've already had to postpone other games, you know, I'm in Edmonton and I know that they had to postpone a couple games against Montreal because of cases. And now obviously they the Oilers can't play Vancouver because of the outbreak with that team like what does this mean for the league in terms of TV audience the concern about having to push games back to fit them all in before the end of the season could the league actually push back the end of the regular season to try and fit in all the games what I've heard from the league is that they've built in a 10 to 14 day window after the final day of the regular season for this exact occurrence you talk to guys in the league, whether it's uh, Gary Bedman or Deputy Commissioner 
Bill Daly and they'll tell you that they have thought about every single scenario under the sun. And I don't think this one is surprising. At the same time, it's, it's just another challenge for them. They can cram games in, but I think they've also looked at it as, you know, Vancouver's not going to be in the playoff mix. Maybe do you prematurely end the season and go by a, a points percentage? All those things are being worked out. I think right now what they're really concerned with is making sure that the Canucks can get through this, that their players can get healthy, and that there's still going to be enough runway to get the games in. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this just underscores, like, had this outbreak occurred in January or even February, I don't think it's as big of an issue. It's an issue, but you got to remember Dallas Stars had, I think, something like 15 or 16 players or staff members affected in January. And mm-hmm. uh, while we were talking about it, we were also saying, well, thank God it happened early in the season where there's still tons of time to get in those games. That becomes harder now as we're looking at the final weeks of the season. And what happens if this occurs in the first round of the playoffs or in the Stanley Cup final? Do you sit a team out for a week or two weeks? And what does that do to the playoff schedule? So that's all kind of being underscored by this, that this is just serving a warning to the rest of the league. But honestly, I I think the fact that we've had all these absences already, I think the league is better prepared to handle this one. Although, you know, you could say this is worse. It's still going along the lines of what we saw in Edmonton, what we saw in Montreal, what we saw in New Jersey, Buffalo, Dallas. Mm -hmm. This is not anything new. Now, we know once the virus gets into a group setting, it can spread really fast. But, you know, you're looking at a league and teams that have strict protocols in place, heavy testing. Like, how does the virus get into this setting where the league is trying to mitigate infection as much as possible? Like, do we know with Vancouver where it started or were there different infections? You know, we have some classic COVID and some variant COVID. How it kind of got into the team setting? Yeah, if the league knows they're not releasing that information. We know that Adam Godet was the first person to get it. Mm-hmm. By the time he had a positive test, I believe Travis Hamannick had also received it. There's talk now that Jace Howerlick, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name, has gotten it twice now. There's a lot of still, I guess, unknowns with these variants. The fact that you can get COVID, but then it doesn't necessarily mean you have the antibodies to fight off the variant strains. Uh, And I think that's where the unknown is. What we're facing, not just as hockey players, but in the hockey community and the sporting community, but just in the world in regards to these new variant strains that just keep popping up, it seems like, uh, every week. But how it went from one player to another to another. Mm-hmm. Oh, these guys are sharing a dressing room. They're working out together. They're sitting next to each other on the bench. There's multiple areas, whether it's when they're getting uh, showered, whether they're having a lunch together where things can get transmitted. You can take all the precautions in the world, but uh, as we've seen, it doesn't take much for someone to uh, infect another person with COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, and in any workplace setting, we're asking these questions, never mind just hockey players. But yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see what the NHL learns from this and what they can apply going forward. Do we know when the NHL and the Canucks organization are going to give us an update or, or when they may kind of spell out what next steps are going to be? Both the team situation, but also, you know, looking ahead toward the end of the season. Or do we have a good sense of how this is going to play out in the next month and a half? We still don't know when it's going to be safe for the Vancouver Canucks to get up and running. I think once we find that out and they do some more contact tracing, I think we're going to maybe learn a little bit more 
I think this would be a heck of a lot worse had it affected, you know, a team like Edmonton where you're in a playoff spot and you're trying to get your games in or, you know, a team that was maybe fighting and just on the cusp of getting into the playoffs where the Canucks are right now. It's almost like finishing the season would be great for them, but it doesn't really affect uh, playoff seating and all that mm-hmm. uh, that goes in along with it. Not not that they are mathematically eliminated, but where they are in the standings is not where you know Montreal is in the standings or some of the other teams. So I don't think there's that same sort of impetus to kind of get them up and running as it would be for a team like Toronto or Winnipeg or Edmonton or uh, Montreal. Not, not that anyone's sort of diminishing this impact. I, I think just from talking to people within the league and players – it just seems like what's happening in Vancouver uh, with this P1 strain and just how quickly it was transmitted, it's just really serving as a warning to the rest of the league and to the rest of Canada. You know, Canadians aren't getting vaccinated as quickly as Americans. Hockey players, to my knowledge, in Canada haven't received the vaccine, or if they have received it, it's not even close to the numbers that players in the States are, are getting it. And I think that's the concern is that you know you've got one segment of the NHL and the segment of the fans are better protected against COVID-19 than we are up here uh, north of the border. And that's the real kind of thing to kind of keep in mind as we inch closer to the playoffs is, you know, once the Canadian teams and American teams start mixing, how do you go about doing that in a safe way when Canadians can't travel across the border right now? And if they do, they're definitely running a risk more so than Americans coming over to Canada. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the league, and unlike the other big four leagues, you have Canadian teams playing in Canada, and in BC and Alberta and Ontario and Quebec, where the majority of teams are, you have a big upswing in variant cases, and in the States, you have vaccine campaigns that are like, everyone's going to get their shot a couple months before people in Canada will get their shot. Have you talked to any players or personnel in the league in Canada that feel like there's a discrepancy there, that sense of frustration among players and personnel here that they're not as protected as their colleagues south of the border? I don't get there's a sense of frustration. I think everyone's real careful about how that would get worded. Um, Last thing you want (laughs) as a hockey player is for, let's say, John Tavares or Austin Matthews to start complaining that they're not getting the vaccine ahead of frontline workers or the elderly or school teachers for that matter yeah so i think everyone's being careful but for sure you know like i have a colleague who covers golf who lives in quebec who's covering the masters and he just tweeted out a photo today of how he went to a local walgreens in augusta georgia uh, got his vaccine and also got a five dollar gift card for walgreens to spend (laughs) on whatever he wanted to so it, it does really kind of show the discrepancy between canada and the u.s especially with this vaccine Definitely, you know, people in the States, especially athletes, probably are getting preferential treatment. That's not happening in Canada. Mm. Whether that's a frustration or not, no one's going to admit it because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. you'd be vilified the next day once you did. I kind of raised that point myself in a, a video yesterday saying, you know what, if you want entertainment, you want hockey, you want to be able to watch it. You don't want to have to deal with the fact that, you know, your team might get COVID and might be up for two weeks and well. You know, that's sort of the price you pay is, you know, maybe the athlete should be getting the vaccine if it means that much to you. And if it doesn't, then you sort of have to live with these outbreaks because, you know, if you don't get the vaccine, you're susceptible. And it doesn't mean you're going to get at the rink. You could get it going to the grocery store. You could get it at home when your wife comes home or your kids come back from school. But 
there's a multiple ways that you could get it. And the only thing that athletes have going for them right now is that they're young, they're healthy, and they probably don't have a lot of these underlying conditions. Overall, other than this recent outbreak of the Vancouver Canucks, and as we, you mentioned earlier, the, the Dallas Stars in January, what's the sentiment among coaches and players about how the season has gone so far amid a pandemic? You know, I think a lot of them are just kind of crossing their fingers, knocking on wood and saying, you know what, we knew that there were going to be outbreaks. We knew that there were going to be games postponed and players are going to be out. But knock on wood, fingers crossed, the season's still humming along as well as it could be. Uh, you look at the standings, nothing really sticks out. Like The fact that the Buffalo Sabres lost, what, 19 games in a row or at the bottom of the standings <laughs> has nothing to do with COVID. It has more to do with fact that they didn't find a goaltender in the offseason and yeah. that their coach wasn't up to snuff can't argue that Connor mcdavid is at the top of the scoring list because of covid or any sort of thing like that so you know when, when we look back at it sure the season's going to have an asterisk next to it because of just how weird it was with the north division and all the divisional alignment but when you look at the actual hockey being played aside from you know empty buildings that were seen I, I don't sense that there has been a competitive disadvantage or advantage one way or the other. I think the hockey's looked just as good as it has in previous years. If anything, this North division has been probably the best thing that maybe just a, a, a real fresh idea for a league that maybe uh, you could argue was a little stale. I think if they get the Stanley cup played this year, everyone's going to be looking at this year as a success. Yeah. I was wondering about the North division and the fact that Canadian fans are getting a different look at the league than they would have in the past. And it's been fascinating to watch so many matchups between Toronto and Edmonton, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. They train in the off season together, you know? Yeah, sure. We get nine battles of Alberta, but we get other matchups that we may not have seen before. Do you feel that, you know, fans North of the border are getting their money's worth, or do you think that people are kind of missing? Like we don't get Ovechkin versus Matthews, or we don't get Sidney Crosby versus Matthews this year. Do you think that the extra matchups between some marquee players in Canada make up for the fact that you're not getting your Nathan McKinnons and your Sidney Crosby's and, and those guys playing up here? I think there was a point where it was interesting, entertaining, and I think we've passed that point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think a little variety would go a long way right now. As much as I want to see Connor McDavid against Austin Matthews, I want to see Vegas play uh, Toronto. Yeah. I want to see... Colorado play Edmonton. I, I want to see some more variety in the NHL right now. And I, I get why they did this. I totally understand it. At the same time, please don't make this more than just a one-year experiment. <laughs> <laughs> and I get the feeling that it's just going to be one and done. Yeah. It would have been nice had we at least seen like Pittsburgh once, Buffalo once, even that. Like I have no problem with all these teams being in the same division, but I just want to see more variety. It feels like I haven't seen three quarters of the league this year. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously border issues come into play with that and border issues could come up next week. We have the trade deadline coming up, I believe on April 12th. Do you expect any big cross border moves to, you know, the fact that players coming into Canada have to quarantine for 10 days, make the prospect of a trade with an American team unappealing at this point? I don't think we're going to see a ton of movement this year, to be honest, at the trade deadline. A, there's just not the number of players available as maybe previous years. Too many teams are kind of hanging around playoff spots where it's really become a smaller market than we've seen. And yeah, you're right. I, I think if you're a general manager and you're saying, listen, uh, I'm going to give up a first round draft pick for a player and I'm going to have to wait another week to get that player in the lineup. 
well, that just cuts short the the impact that that guy can make. Granted, you're making that trade for the playoffs, mm-hmm. but you also want to get some bang for your buck in the regular season. So the problem is, like, if you're trading within the country, like, I, I don't think Vancouver's a trade partner right now, so you've taken them out of that fix. Calgary and Ottawa don't have a lot of players that you'd probably be interested in just from a rental perspective. So you are probably having to look outside of Canada. And if you are, you're running into a host of problems. So. I think we're going to see a very quiet year. Edmonton apparently is not looking to make a deal at the deadline. Montreal looks like they've already made their trade and getting Eric Stahl mm-hmm. and getting a jump on things. So that leaves really Toronto and Winnipeg, and neither team might not make the biggest of splashes. Looking at the stretch run toward the playoffs, for people who have been following Canadian teams, but maybe not following teams south of the border, like... What does a playoff picture look like? Obviously, Canada, it's looking like Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, and, and Montreal. But, you know, beyond that, south of the border, who are the teams that you think people should be paying attention to? Well, the one team that I think doesn't get enough people talking about them are the Florida Panthers. Like right now, I believe they have the best record in the NHL. I think they're tied with Colorado in points. And that's a Panthers team that seems to be always living in the shadow of the Tampa Bay Lightning in Florida. And this year, they've really broken out. And uh, I know they're missing Aaron Ekblad on the defensive end now. He's done for the year after suffering a really nasty leg injury last week. But Mm -hmm. that Panthers team, I expect them to be maybe the biggest team that does something at the trade deadline, but also the one of the teams that could definitely go win a cup this year. They really have all the pieces. And it's a team that no one really talks about just because – you know, it's in Florida. They don't have maybe the ready-made superstars that we're used to seeing, like Alexander Barkov. You look at him as a player, and what he does is something you know really doesn't stand out uh, amongst casual fans. If you're a hockey fan, you can really appreciate what he does on both ends of the ice, but doesn't jump off the page like a Nathan McKinnon would or a Sidney Crosby or a Connor McDavid. But that's the team that I'm sort of watching right now is Florida and whether this is the year for them. Yeah. And I mean, looking ahead of the playoffs, obviously Canada is still dealing with a pandemic. The U.S. by playoff time may be in a, a much better position. You know, how is the league looking to handle COVID, especially looking at Canada? We're in a third wave. It's not like they can put games off for a couple of weeks like they've been able to do now. How does the league plan to manage that? No player will tell you that they want a bubble. And they don't want to go back into that playoff bubble again. That mm-hmm. that scares the heck out of them. Uh, that was not a fun experience for anyone that was in the playoffs. But I don't know how the NHL avoids it. You can't have what Vancouver is going through right now happen in the first, second, third, or in the Stanley Cup final. It, it just won't work. And you can't even have that risk of it happening. And if cases are still going to happen, like uh, every day I go onto the NHL media website to see what players have been added to the COVID protocol list. And I've yet to see or come across a day where uh, there's been zero names there. Today, I think there's like six teams have players on the COVID protocol list every day. Uh, that is the same thing happening. So if that's going to be the case, if, if this virus isn't going away by the time the playoffs start and it's not, I don't know how you uh, stage a playoffs without having a bubble in place or some sort of bubble in place. And the NHL hasn't said in what they plan to do, but you can bet that that's being already talked about because you can't have a team sit out for a week mm-hmm. or you can't have even just players. Like what happens if you're in a Stanley cup final and you know, the starting goaltender is on the COVID protocol list. And, you know, maybe a guy like Austin Matthews, who's so impactful for the Leafs is on the COVID protocol list. 
that takes them right out of contention. Yeah. And that would severely put a asterisk on whoever wins the cup, because then you're saying, you know, the only reason you won is because this guy got COVID. Well, that's the last thing fans want. That's the last thing I think the league wants. On the flip side, though, you get injuries in the playoffs all the time. I remember the Oilers goaltender in the 2006 playoffs was injured in the Stanley Cup finals. And obviously last year with Tampa Bay, you didn't have Steven Stamkos in the lineup for you know, like the bulk of the playoffs. But an injury is different. Like that, That's something that happens in game. Like yeah. we're talking about, you know, I mean, basically getting sick. I get what you're saying. Like injuries happen. Playoffs are a battle of attrition. We all know this. The team that stays healthy is the team that wins the cup. Mm-hmm. But this feels a little different to me. And, and I think that's where the worry is, is that, you know, a player might not even have COVID. Uh, he could have, he could be asymptomatic or it could just be uh, as a precaution. And that could wreak havoc. And what do you do? Do you just load up on players at the deadline, figuring that six of the guys on your current lineup are going to get COVID? I, I just don't see that scenario really working for the league. Fair enough. Michael, thanks for your time. All right. Thank you. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Michael Trakos. More from him at torontosun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.